Well, hello. I have not opened a show in a very long time with my my buddy Brian Peacock around doing that uh, that for me. But this is my last ever Locked On NFL show as the host. So I am bringing it on home today. And as you guys know, it certainly is not the end of an era. Well, I guess it kind of is. The, the Locked On NFL podcast will be taken over by several hosts, much like Locked On NBA and Brian and I, nothing is changing. None of the content is changing. But we are becoming the Peacock and Williamson NFL show starting next week. So what I need from you, and it's obviously very, very important, is please go subscribe. And um, my financial well-being depends on it. So if you could just do that and spread the word, leave all a note, that would be wonderful. But nothing's going to change. But you will not be hearing Brian and I here after today. And as we've been doing all week, we have a fill-in guest, and we have Alex Alex Clancy from Locked On Cardinals. Alex, take it away. It's all yours now, brother. Well, thanks for having me. And I'm I'm sure you guys, the Peacock and Williamson show, will reign supreme once again. It'll just take a little while, but you guys will get back to the top tier uh, nature and uh, listenership that you have now. So we have no doubt here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Let's jump in quickly. There are. Several NFL teams that are not practicing. That's your locked on NFL lead story. I'm Alex Clancy with Matt Williamson. And it's interesting that this is, and Matt, I'm going to ask you right away. I mean, obviously, yesterday the NBA uh, postponed their playoff games. The three games will be postponed today as well. The WNBA did the same thing. And the, uh, the Milwaukee Brewers postponed their baseball game last night, and so did the Dodgers and Giants. Is this an homage, the only thing the NFL players can do at this point to kind of jump in unison with the NBA players regarding social injustices and taking a stand against it? Is, is this what the NFL can do right now because they're not in the middle of their season? I suppose, and I'm not ignoring the, the social issues by any means, but it's been pretty obvious that the NFL has been separate through every step of this and especially the COVID situation where they've had a little bit of a benefit in some way, especially COVID related where didn't hit right in the middle of their season or the playoffs and things like pro days got canceled and the draft was virtual, but overall it hasn't derailed the typical schedule. And once again, with this issue, which is obviously very important again, I'm not downplaying it at all, they don't have a game to sit out at the moment. They don't even have preseason. I'd kill for preseason football right now. So once again, they're sort of on their own you know, beaten path than the other leagues and the other sports at the moment. It's, I mean, it's a nice gesture. I mean, I get it. I mean, and listen, I'm never one, and uh, on the show that I produce and coast, I, I'm never one to tell people how they should act regarding things like this, especially with things that don't directly, that I don't know a lot about. I mean, I know about injustice and I know that, you know, don't be a bad person, but all the awful things that are happening, you know, I can't really touch it. So when it comes to the practices, the Cardinals being one of those teams and the Lions and Titans, I believe, and others, cool. Anything to show unison at this point across the country, whether it be professional athletes or not, I'm in for. So it's, it's going to be kind of uh, thrown under the rug a little bit because, as you mentioned, it's not like it's September 7th. It's not like it's September 12th where there's actually a slate of games the next day, which could would maybe be a little bit more uh, feet to the fire. Do you really want to do this when the season's just about to start? And if you do, more power to you. It's practice. 
it's a good gesture and it'll most likely just be passed along and as we get closer to the NFL season and through training camp. Right. I 100% agree. Um, obviously, many eyes are on it. And if it makes the world a better place, if it helps the injustice around the world, I am all for it. But I'm also going to say from being an NFL analyst and hosting this podcast and doing a lot of other things and this being my livelihood and my love for so long, I'm glad we're not missing any NFL games. I want to watch football. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, agreed. Agreed. And that's something that uh, that we all share. And it's something that um, hopefully we'll get to see soon without any sort of uh, hurdles. And, uh, you know, at this point, we can only do what we can do as media members and support the players who make all of this possible in any way we possibly can. Uh, you know, coming up, a lot has happened surrounding the Arizona Cardinals recently. And uh, I'm excited to talk about it. I'm going to just sit here, friendly or firing squad from Matt Williamson himself, and I'll try to answer the best I can. Alex Clancy for Brian Peacock, Matt Williamson, Locked on NFL. We'll be right back. But first... Built Bar. Built Bar is back. Matt loves them. I love them. They're the best protein bars on the market. They're not grizzly. They're not chewy. They're all uh, chocolate covered. They're incredible. They have 18 flavors now. They have 12 original. They've added six new ones since we've re-upped. They're healthy. They, uh, They allow you to lose or maintain weight while eating something that actually tastes good. They're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, great for the keto diet. They have, you know, over 10 grams of protein for each one. Uh, le- you know, the, the sugar is very minimal. Uh, so go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code Locked On. You get 10 bucks off your next order. Promo code Locked On for 10 bucks off at BuiltBar.com. Welcome back. Alex Clancy in for Matt, for Brian Peacock. Matt Williamson joining me, the Locked On podcast, Locked On NFL. As always, this is his swan song. I feel honored that I'm the one that gets to lead you through <laughs> to the Peacock and Williamson experience that will be coming up uh, very soon. Matt, um, you do a great great job for the Locked On Podcast Network, you and Peacock do, even though I am a – and I will tell Brian this to his face. I think Northern California fans are the worst sports fans in America. <laughs> I think they're the most ignorant, most front-running, like, and I grew up in L.A., but that's not, like, there's Philly, there's, listen, there's Pittsburgh. I know you're a big Pittsburgh guy, obviously. I think Pittsburgh fans are smarter. There's a difference between even Philly fans who eat a horse uh, excrement after winning a Super Bowl. There's a there's a far cry from their acumen when it comes to sports as opposed to Northern California fans who just think they're better than everybody because, you know, the weather's nice and there's Silicon Valley there. You know you know what I mean? To some degree, <laughs> and I wonder because I was born in 1973. I've been a Pittsburgher my whole life. So, obviously, the super Steelers of the 70s made this town a giant football, you know, uh, it's the most important thing going, obviously, yeah. especially when I was a kid and in my formidable years. And I wonder... Because the Niners were the next dynasty, did a lot of people in that town, and I guess these are better questions for Brian too, and he might disagree with you, um, grow up just sort of with a little bit of entitlement, like a Yankees fan, like, we're good, you know, I mean, this is how it's supposed to be, there's a decade of people that are 10 years younger than me that just remember the Niners winning Super Bowls in Montana and Walsh and Rice and all those good things too. And they live in a nice area of the country. It doesn't get cold there, and there's a lot of wine and good stuff, too. That's true. Bastards. 
So, uh, you know what? I'm here. I'm prepped. Uh, I have my bulletproof vest on. Fire away whatever Cardinals questions you have. I'm here to answer. Yeah, we're going to do a lot. We're going to do a little bit of NFC West, but we have enough Niners talk on here anyway. Um, I really wanted to focus on the Cardinals because I think they're a very, very interesting team. And big picture, my take on this team is they've come a long way in a very short amount of time. I mean, that 2018 team, specifically the offense that earned the first overall pick, was one of the worst offenses I've ever seen in my life. You know, I mean, that's where they came from to respectability last year. I think they're very much going the right direction. Coach, quarterback, organization as a whole, making big moves like, you know, re-signing Buda Baker, you know, the draft worked out really well for them, adding Hopkins, of course. But I think nationally, and if you disagree with me, fine, I think people are putting the cart before the horse a little bit. You know, like, I think this is going to be a very much a learning year. They're not going to sneak up on anyone. They'll win seven games. And next year is when I fear the Cardinals could be a real contender. Everything you said is spot on. And there, here's the thing, though. There's there's a common misconception between off-season lists, like, see, you know, yeah. in July or June where it's list season and we love it. As media members, we love list season because it's like mock drafts. It's like, who cares? None of this is going to matter, but it's fun to talk about. When it right. comes it to sells, the, it gets a lot of comments. Right. Everyone tells you you're an idiot because you got this guy 12th instead of 10th. Exactly. You know, right. And right. the thing is, though, the line of demarcation, though, that's important is the lists that the, that the Cardinals were higher on that we didn't, were used to seeing over the last couple of seasons, and I'll touch on 2018 in just a second, are the lists like teams that can make a playoff push, teams that could surprise people, lists that the pundits that made them could easily jump away from because it's all speculative. It's yeah, just like, it's oh, they're fun. We can talk about it. Okay, they're 15th on a team that could make a playoff push. Who gives a rip? Like, who cares? They when, used to be on lists of favorites to get the first overall pick. Right, exactly. And then now, now on that list yeah, and right. then now with the first real preseason power rankings, they're 19th. Okay, so when it actually matters, they're put in their place where they're supposed to be. And coming from 2018, as you mentioned, 2018, I that was the first year that I got to actually get a media credential for the year and go in the locker room, mm-hmm. go in the press box and everything. It was brutal. Like, oh, I was I sitting there week one in the press box with Bo Brock, who hosts Locked on Cardinals with me. They played the Washington professional football team. That team, their offense, led by Sam Bradford, was on the field for five minutes in the first half. <laughs> five and change out of 30. And that's where we were September of 2018. And to see how far the Cardinals have come since... That's my point, right? It's 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 been magic to see, and and I've said over the last eighteen months, Steve Kime is a top ten GM in the NFL. I mean, I agree in, in that bubble, yeah. absolutely. So you're right; the expectations Kyler are probably a little too great, but yeah. yeah. Kyler move took a lot of the guts. The Hopkins trade, I think they killed the draft this year. Uh, there hasn't been many moves that I've questioned. You're 100 percent right. Um, let's lead. That leads us to the latest news, though. I mean, my take on the Buddha Baker signing was I think him and Isaiah Simmons are that positionless football do-it-all guy 
that can handle George Kittle some days, use check some days, Russell Wilson scrambling, oh, whatever. I mean, all the challenges that offenses throw at you now, I think those two and maybe more names to come are the foundation of the back seven of the Arizona Cardinals. But I think there's one more layer to it, and I'm curious about your thoughts really on this, is you are trying to create a culture, a I know Larry Fitzgerald, him and I were a pit together. I consider him a friend, but he ain't going to be there forever. So besides Kyler, who are my locker room guys? Who are my long-term Cardinals that are going to be on the billboards, but more importantly are going to be competitive MFers that grab people by the face mask and say, this is how we do things here. And I think that's Buda Baker. It's interesting because I had two of my friends reach out to me. He's like, who's Buda Baker? <laughs> the people that don't live in Phoenix. And I bet, yeah. I agree. I mean, here's the thing. Anybody that plays in the Pacific Northwest that isn't a top tier or a team that, that makes the, the playoffs, like in, besides like an Oregon or something, Buda Baker and Byron Murphy are two guys that nobody knows about. And Buda Baker, over the last, I don't know, season and a half, and uh, Brian Peacock could lend to this, that him hitting George Kittle big, on a in a primetime game is when people started to recognize who Buda Baker was. It's this weird ancillary thing that didn't make a big deal whatsoever in the grand scheme of the game, but people started to realize who Buda Baker is. He is small. He is definitely under I mean he's probably the size of a safety that a safety should be, but you're right. He is the latest pillar in this defense that's going to jettison that's going to catapult this team to where they are used to being defensively. And Patrick Peterson's getting older. Who knows what's going to happen next year? Chandler Jones is Chandler Jones. He's like an independent contractor. You know, edge <laughs> rushers and sack guys are independent contractors. They don't really have – all they do is run. Go to the quarterback. You know, and obviously with running with running uh, plays and everything, obviously schemes are different. But somebody that can see over the defense like Buda Baker can, especially with the inability to get a second cornerback alongside Patrick Peterson over the last three or four years – He's the guy, and you're right. I mean, he's the anchor. Until Unless Isaiah Simmons can really step up, Jordan Hicks is kind of, he's limited in his role as linebacker, which isn't a bad thing, but being able to see over the top like Buda Baker can, um, he lines up more as, as a uh, slot corner than he does actually at safety. So you can play him all over the field, and that co- contract, although jarring initially, was totally warranted. Yeah, I mean, I get it. I mean, he fits today's NFL, the attitude. I think that there's more to it than we just think he's good at football. We're going to sign him. You mentioned Chandler Jones, and I hadn't really planned on asking your thoughts on Chandler Jones. And and I recently was hired by the Pro Football Network, and I wrote my top edge rusher, rusher list, speaking of lists. And there's so many of them. I mean, Cleo Mack, Vaughn Miller, the Watts, the Bosa's, Miles Garrett, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, Cameron Jordan. And I was very close to putting Chandler Jones number one. And I settled him number two behind Khalil Mack. And it's back to that Buda Baker thing you said. Like, not everyone clearly knew where he, who he was. He's on the left coast, and they're not on Monday football a ton. Chandler Jones is so productive. And unlike those other guys that I listed, there's not a guy on the, on the defensive front that's helping demand, you know, take the attention away from Jones. Like, I just want people to know how good he is. He's very good. <laughs> and yeah. he's quiet and he's a great teammate. And he's he's everything. He's everything, everything, everything that you want 
from an employee. You know, and that's really what it, it's funny how okay. people just kind of overlook these guys are employees. Yeah. They come in, punch, they sign a punch card. card. Yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, he just happens to be the greatest sack guy over the last four seasons. He has the most sacks in the NFL since he's come into the league. He got traded for a second round pick from New England. Probably one of the very, not probably, one of the very few missteps that Bill Belichick has made is his tenure as GM and head oh. coach of the. Imagine paying Chandler Jones the last couple I years. couldn't imagine. I mean, but, but look at what he did with Jamie Collins before Jamie Collins went and got paid and came back. Chandler Jones just happened to find a home here, and the Cardinals haven't done anything to make his job any easier. They let Calais Campbell go, and Saxonville entered Jacksonville with Calais Campbell there. He just got traded. Baltimore's front is going to be great in the NFL again. So. The issue with Chandler Jones is the ancillary pieces and not him. And that's something right. that, that is an ongoing thing, and I appreciate from a national media member appreciating Chandler Jones. And he and Larry Fitzgerald are kind of linked into the same thing where I'm not comparing directly, but it's just kind of an afterthought because it's Arizona. And it's not yeah. Pittsburgh. It's not Philly. It's not Dallas. Even it's Seattle. So, I mean right. – uh, we're going to continue this conversation on the other side. Alex Clancy in for Brian Peacock, Matt Williamson locked on NFL on Matt Williamson's swan song. We'll be right back. Final segment here, locked on NFL. Alex Clancy from Locked on Cardinals in for Brian Peacock. We bid Matt Williamson adieu on his last Locked on NFL episode before they jump into the Peacock and Williamson experience that will be happening right around the corner on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Again, you can listen to me, Alex Clancy, on Locked On Arizona Cardinals. You can follow me on Twitter at Clancy's Corner and follow the podcast at Locked On AZ Cards. Thank you to David Locke and Brian Williamson for letting me jump in and um, you know host the last Locked On NFL uh, as it's currently constructed with Brian Peacock and Matt Williamson. We talked some Buda Baker. We talked a little Arizona Cardinals in the last segment. I do want to put a button on the NFC West here as a whole. The NFC West is going to be a lot tighter than it looks like on paper right now. Because right now, you look at the NFC West. Oh, San Francisco is the favorite. Seattle's second. And then the Rams and Cardinals are kind of jockeying for third with the Rams probably having a slight edge right now just because of, you know, the coaches, Sean McVay and Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, et cetera, et cetera. Like, I, I, I see on paper what it looks like. And myself and Bo Brock, my co-host, we pride ourselves on not being homers, you know, Homer fans and Homer media members, in my opinion, are the worst. <laughs> I mean, it's just you need some sort of obviously favorable opinioning, opinionship uh, when it comes to the team that you're covering, but you need to be able to see both sides of any story. And Bo and I are able to do that with Locked On Cardinals. It's, it's been tough hosting Locked On Cardinals the last couple of years, not because you know, talking into a microphone is difficult, but trying to be positive through 2017 and 2018 when, in 2018, lest we forget, 14.1 points per game the Arizona Cardinals put up, that's less than what the 2008-0-16 Detroit Lions put up per game. And that was 10 years ago, 12, 10 years ago, when the offense, um, the offensive output wasn't as potent as it is now. So we've the Cardinals have come a long way, but if you look at the jockeying for a position of the NFC West heading into the 2020 NFL season, it's not as cut and dry as what it looked like on paper that I just mentioned. The 49ers are two years removed from being 4-12 and and having the second overall pick. I see last year and their run to the Super Bowl 
as the 2015 run that Cam Newton had with the Carolina Panthers. The 49ers were a one-yard short reception away from not winning the division. Seattle, Russell Wilson marched down. I think it was Jacob Hollister across the middle, half-yard short of the goal line. If they score a touchdown there, 49ers don't win the division, and they have to go on the road in the first round of the playoffs, I believe. Either way, they don't get a bye in the first round of the playoffs. So me, seeing San Francisco over the last several years, and I'm sorry, Brian, I wish Brian and I could talk about this right now. I think that the expectations for them were way overblown this year. I think they will regress this year. Obviously, the injuries have hurt them. Uh, get, you know, uh, Some of their moves have been questionable this offseason. The draft they trade, is Jimmy Garoppolo good? Raheem Mostert, is he going to be able to, to uh, mirror what he did last year? Tevin Coleman going to stay healthy? Is Jerick McKinnon going to stay healthy? On and on, on and on, on and on. There are a lot of questions there. Seattle, the stability with Seattle, I think, is the most you know, uh, parallel with what it's been. It's Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson is the best player in the division. And DK Metcalf coming to his own after his rookie season. The defense is getting a little better, but they're always kind of suspect. Um, Bobby Wagner's still there, though, so that helps. One of the 99s in Madden always, every year. The offensive line still isn't good. They need to figure out what they're going to do with the running back position. They're running back by committee to the nth degree. But again, it's Russell Wilson, Tyler Lockett, and DK Metcalf. That's what it's going to be. They will go as those three guys go. With the Rams, the Rams are kind of the forgotten son at this point because they're you know a year removed from their Super Bowl run. Is Jared Goff going to be the guy there? Is Jalen Ramsey worth all the money that they're going to have to pay him, which I would assume it is? They have, they're not going to have a lot of draft picks over the next several seasons because of all the moves that they made. Is Robert Woods going to be able to... to uh, to replicate what he did towards the tail end of last season, is Aaron Donald going to be the beast that he is? Without Todd Gurley, there's more questions. Like if this was after the Super Bowl, or this was midway through two years ago, you wouldn't even question it. It's Todd Gurley. But after the injury started to happen, and then the C.J. Anderson takeover towards the end of the 2019 season on their way to the or the 2018 season on their way to the Super Bowl, like it's just it's it's been a weird time. It's been a weird time for the Rams. And then you have the Cardinals. The Cardinals arguably in their best position. And this is why I alluded to me not having homer takes because I think that they they weaken and soften your actual, you know, reputation as a reporter and media person. The Cardinals are in a favorable position because their expectations are infinitesimal compared to the other 3 teams. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the Cardinals do. If they win five games, they win ten games, they win three games, it's still a work in progress. Now, I don't think they're going to win three games. I don't think they're going to win five games. I targeted them, even after the DeAndre Hopkins trade, at seven wins. If you can jump up... So say the Cardinals didn't lose six games last year. They had the week one tie. They went five, ten, and one. If If you can improve from three wins to five wins to seven wins... In three straight years, that's the normal progression of things. Very rarely do you go from four and twelve to twelve and four like the 49ers did last year. It just it doesn't happen as often. There's a lot of worst to first stories, but winning eight games more than you did the year before, it's rare. So the Cardinals with 
better help on the defensive side, more depth. You have DeAndre Hopkins, you have Kyler Murray coming into his second year, and the offensive line has improved a little bit. They still don't have those aspirational expectations that the other three teams do. And the other three teams have them because they've all made a Super Bowl in the last, what, seven years? Or eight years. I don't remember when Seattle went last. Seven years? And the Cardinals just haven't. But when you look at the NFC West as an entity as a whole, it's going to be a lot tighter than what it looks like right now. Just because people say something's going to happen over and over and over again doesn't mean it's going to happen. The Seattle for the San Francisco 49ers are going to regress this year. The Seattle Seahawks will stay status quo winning 10 games. It's just what they do. The Rams are a wild card and so are the Cardinals. If you told me the Rams won 7 games or won 12 games, be like, "Okay, I understand both." If you told me the Cardinals won 7 games or won 10 games or won 5 games, you'd be like, "Yeah, sure. Makes sense." If Seattle wins less than 10 games every year, that's a surprise. And if the 49ers win over win 11 or more games next year, I'm going to be shocked. It's not how it happens. Thank you for listening. Alex Clancy filling in for Brian Peacock. Matt Williamson bidding him adieu into his Peacock and Williamson extravaganza coming up soon. Thank you for listening to Locked On NFL again. You can follow me on Twitter at Clancy's Corner and follow the podcast at Locked On AZ Cards for all of your Arizona Cardinals news. And I'll tell you what, it's going to be an exciting season to follow the Arizona Cardinals, so stay tuned. Thanks for listening to Locked On NFL.